The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. Hello, and welcome to the Payoff Pitch Podcast. I'm Sean Zarilla, joined today by BJ Cunningham. We're going to help you break down a very short slate for Monday, June 26th. Let's start off with our best bets. We're going to jump right into things. And we have an agreement here, a consensus best bet. It is my largest projected edge on Monday's slate. Curious to see where BJ has this line projected to, but we're both going to go with the Chicago White Sox playing the Los Angeles Angels. Dylan Cease facing Reed Detmers. BJ, I made this one closer to about plus 105. I like the White Sox down to about plus 115. Curious to see where you projected it and why you like the White Sox tonight. Yeah, I mean, I'm at uh, the White Sox plus 102, so I'm right online with you there. I mean, this is really a bet on Dylan Cease. Like, he's had a bad start to the season, but if you look over his last five starts, he's actually been improving quite a lot. He's only given up four runs in his last four starts. I mean, he's he's only has a combined 32 strikeouts in those four starts. But most importantly, in his last three starts, his XFIP has been below three and a half. So that's showing that he's starting to trend towards the Cy Young candidate that we saw last season. Now, overall, he is a 4.4 expected ERA pitcher. He's had a bad start of the season. So comparing him to a guy like Reed Detmers, who is an average MLB starting pitcher, 4.08 expected ERA through 13 starts. He's got a very high 10.5 K per nine rate. But the problem with him is, is his control has been a little bit off. His walk per nine rate is pretty high up at three and a half and his average exit velocity and average hard hit rate allowed numbers are below the 40th percentile. So he's kind of struggling in that aspect. And if you look at these two offenses, I don't really think there's much of a difference between the two based on the matchups that we have. So Detmers and Cease are mainly reliant on a fastball slider combination, the both of them. If you look at the Angels versus right-handed fastballs and sliders, their run value expected weight on base average is about, you know, around the league average. And the White Sox, the same against lefties. So, and then you go into the look at the bullpens, the White Sox have a better stuff plus, better XFIP, and a better walk per uh, strikeout to walk ratio than the Angels. So, 
I agree. I, you know, I have I have the White Sox projected a plus one hundred two, so I think this is a pretty decent edge here uh, on a pitcher like Cease, who does have the talent definitely to be that Cy Young type candidate, and is starting to find his form. Yeah, as you mentioned, strikeout rate for Cease down for the season, and it was mostly down earlier this year. But his past four starts, strikeout rate is back at thirty five percent, and that's he was over thirty percent the past couple of years. That's what made him so dominant. His walk rate has been around 10% for the past few seasons, does not have great command, below average location plus numbers, but has elite stuff. The thing is, and the thing that still concerns me, his stuff plus and his velocity remains down relative to last season. It was at 124 stuff plus last year, velocity 96.8 miles an hour. This year, he's sitting closer to 95.4 miles an hour, and his stuff plus is down 10 points. And even in the past four starts, it hasn't really rebounded, but... He's faced the Dodgers. He's faced the Rangers. He had a 40% strikeout rate against those two teams. I don't know if it's a command thing, not a, I shouldn't say command. I don't know if it's a location thing where maybe he's getting that fastball up above the hands just to touch more. Maybe it's stuff that's not showing up in his location numbers and in the walk rate, things like that. But I, I haven't looked at heat maps. I can't really tell you why the strikeout rate has come back. Something I want to look into more. It's I would assume it's probably just hitting his targets a little bit better, getting that slider a little bit more down of the way, fastball a little bit more up in the zone. I'm sure the heat maps have kind of trended back towards where they were last year, even though the velocity sort of is staying down. But the White Sox in both halves, my favorite bet for today, plus 120 for the first five innings, plus 114, plus 115 for the full game, betting them in both halves. Let's move on to fade the public. The public likes you. That's the only reason that this might fly. How are we going to handle the public? And today we have a couple of games that are pretty heavily to public action. One of them is the Texas Rangers at home against the Detroit Tigers. Texas taking 89% of the bets and 99% of the money. No bet on the side here for me. I believe I am close to pulling the trigger on the Detroit Tigers, but a bet that I have already made here is the under. I already bet the under nine and a half. I still like it at nine up to minus 115. Rangers have had a lot of high-scoring games at home. Their offense has been great this year, top two, top three against both lefties and righties. But with the Dome closed at home, you have to knock down that park factor by about 7%. When Texas has the Dome open, typically plays about even on a league average run environment, maybe a few percentage points above. But when the Dome is closed in Arlington, it plays about 7% below the major league average. So curious to hear where BJ has that total projected today. I have it around 8.3 with a park factor of about 93%. Again, about 7% below the major league average run scoring environment. Both teams do hit lefties very well. And the Tigers, in fact, hit lefties better than they do righties. But with that dome closed, I just don't think the total is too high. So made it 8.3, bet the under nine to minus 115. And if that Tigers money line floats up closer to about plus 230, plus 240, I'll have to consider jumping in on the underdog as well. BJ, anything for you on Rangers and Tigers? Yeah, I'm going to pass. I have the total at 8.9, you know, factoring in the dome being close. So I'm a little bit higher than you. And I have the Rangers at minus 184. So I'm pretty much right on with where the market has it. I mean, Haney, it's interesting. He's overperformed a little bit. You know, his XTRA is up at 4.6. So you should see a little bit of regression, but the Tigers offense has been terrible against both lefties and righties. So uh, it's hard to get behind Detroit um, unless you can get really good odds. So like you said, if Detroit floats up into, you know, plus two, plus 200, plus 210, that type of area, which I don't think we're going to get, maybe pull the trigger on them. But other than that, this is a pass for me. 
Yeah, I need to correct my price target. So I made Detroit plus 173. So yes, if it gets up to plus 200, I'd probably consider it not plus 220, plus 240. I was thinking of the Nationals <laughs> when I was mentioning that game. I, since we're talking about the Nationals Mariners, BJ Short Slate, anything for you on Nats Mariners? I made that line Mariners minus 208. Yeah, I have uh, Mariners minus 217. I actually like the over in this game. Uh, you know, Trevor Williams has been a very below average pitcher this season. And, you know, Castillo has been great. But the Nationals offense has come alive here in the last few uh, days. You know, they just put eight runs on the Padres the other day. And it's just a total that I believe is way, way too low considering the two starting pitching matchups and given how bad the Washington bullpen has been as well. So uh, I think this is, you know, the Mariners have been below average against right-handed pitching. But again, we have Williams, who's a 5.23 XERA pitcher. We shouldn't be setting a total at seven and a half with him on the mound. So I have the total projected actually at 8.3. So I really like the over in that game. Where do you like it up to? Because it has moved up to eight in most places. I would yeah. bet it to eight at even money. I also bet the over seven and a half. I made this line 8.2. Luis Castillo, his expected marks closer to four this season. He's actually not pitched quite as well as the reputation was suggesting as the strikeouts are racking up. Uh, BJ, where's your cutoff price target? Because for me, it's eight at even money. Yeah, right there. Eight at, I'd say minus 102 would be my okay. cutoff yep. if we're at 3% of value. So, um that's where I'd go on that. So pretty close to, you know, even money. I think the best line you can find right now is minus 103. So if you want to shorten your units on that, if you really want to play it, then that's how I'd play it. So in alignment there, also the first five over sitting at four minus 120. I made it four and a half. If it was four minus 110, would probably consider betting that. But at minus 120, I think it's probably too juiced for me. Baseball betting season is here, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from insuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Next Step in Arizona, 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1 800 270 7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's move on to our favorite underdogs for Monday short slate. We already gave you one in the Chicago White Sox, who I like in both halves. BJ also likes for the full game. Let's see if we can find a couple of more, one from each of us that we like as an underdog bet for Monday's Slate. Where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Where's my dog? 
and I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Reds, but for the first five innings only. The full game price target has moved out of my range. I like that down to plus 125. Bet 130 last night. It has moved down closer to plus 115, but a number that I do still like to plus 115 is their first five innings money line. Actually project the two starting pitchers here as relatively comparable. Cole Irvin, Brandon Williamson. Irvin has an expected ERA north of eight this season. Williamson over five. And that's roughly where he pitched in the high minors too, even before the Reds called them up. He had had expected indicators in the fives, hadn't had great numbers in AAA or AA prior to getting the call, but the Reds clearly saw something. He has basically matched those results in the major leagues, which is actually better than you would have expected, translating to a higher level of baseball. But Williamson has been pretty enigmatic. Stuff Plus is better than what Irvin offers. Irvin offers better command, but both below average starters. I do like the over in this matchup quite a bit. The over nine and a half to minus 110. Don't believe that is still available, but if it comes back down, would certainly bet it. But one number that is still there, as I said, the Reds in the first half, plus 115, can throw out nine right-handed bats. They're going to throw out eight. They'll put Joey Votto in the lineup, but can put out nine right-handed bats against Irvin. The A's, or the, the Orioles, I should say, in the same way, can also throw out nine right-handed bats against Williamson, but I do project the Reds' offense as better than the Orioles offense. The Orioles only have a 98 WRC plus projected for me. I actually make the Reds closer to 114. So below average offense for Baltimore, above average for Cincinnati. Also, the Reds, the number one base running team in baseball, hinted advantages there. Since they brought up Elliott Aver Cruz, they have a top four offense in baseball. This team is absolutely electric and just going hitter for hitter down these lineups. I think the Reds have a deeper lineup than the Orioles do. The Orioles lineup after that four or five spot really starts to drop off once you start getting to guys like Aaron Hicks. So prefer the Reds lineup in a matchup between two below average left-handed starters. Give me the Reds in the first five innings to plus 115. BJ, anything for you on that Reds-Orioles game? And then give me your favorite underdog for today's slate, aside from the White Sox. No, I'm actually right around where the odds have it. So I actually have the Orioles at minus 132. Um, probably not projecting you know, a lot of value. I mean, basically using a lot of Irvin's projected numbers because he hasn't pitched quite a bit this season. So um, that's kind of where I have that for my underdog. I mean, I don't like doing this because I, I mean, I'll have to get your thoughts on this guy before we get out of here, but I'm going to fade Spencer Strider and the Braves who are the hottest team in baseball. And I'm going to take the twins at plus plus one seventy five. Sonny Gray has been good this season. He has overperformed, yes. You know, he's got two and a half ERA. Expected ERA is around 3-7. Um, but one of the reasons why he's been so, why he's overperformed, is he's only given up two runs, two home runs and 15 starts. And, you know, eventually a guy who's, you know, below the 30th percentile and average exit velocity allowed and barrel rate allowed and all of these stack cast metrics, eventually that's going to regress, especially facing the Braves lineup. It's a little bit concerning, but, Gray does have good pitch mix, a good usage of all five of his pitches. He throws all of them at least 15% of the time. And if you dig into his stuff plus numbers, he does have a stuff plus of 101, which is above average. He has three pitches that are have a stuff plus above 100. And the Twins lineup has been much better against right-handed pitching. They're 12th in WRC plus against righties, 27th against lefties. So it's good reason they're facing a righty. And Strider, he's... I don't know what to make of it. You look at his stuff plus numbers and pitching plus, he's by far and away the best pitcher in baseball. Like it's, it's you know, his stuff plus is two, 127, which is above, two above uh, Garrett Cole and Otani. But he's had some shaky starts. He's given eight runs to the Mets, he gave five runs to the Tigers, and then his last start against the Phillies was pretty good. But 
the 10 starts before the start against the Phillies, he had given up at least two runs in 10 straight starts. His expected area is now at 3.36. For context, last season, he was almost a full run lower at two around 2.3. So he's very reliant on his fastball, and it's very good. Like he's he's averaging 97 mile an hour, miles an hour of velocity on it. But last season, he was averaging 98.2. So there has been a little bit of dip in velocity, and now he's allowing an expected weight on base average of 340 on his fastball when last season he was allowing 280. Then you look at the bullpen matchup here. The Twins have the exact same stuff plus numbers as the Braves. They have a better, they have a very close to the same XFIP, walk, uh, uh, strikeout to walk ratio, and left on base percentage. So at plus 175, I made the Braves minus 152. So um, there's some decent value here on the Twins on a very short slate. Again, if we had a large 15 game slate, I don't think I'd be using the Twins as my underdog to, to fade Strider. But given the short slate, uh, I like the Twins at plus 175. So there's no bet for me on this game currently. Uh, this is another one where if the line creeps closer to plus 200, I will consider betting the underdog. I made the Braves minus 175. As you mentioned with Strider, velocity has dipped a little bit compared to last year. Dominant early this year. Then he had a two or three start stretch where that fastball velocity dipped closer to 96 miles an hour. But in his last start against the Phillies, it went back up to 97 which was his second highest level of the entire season. So probably why he had more success in that start against the Phillies. I haven't compared the stuff plus numbers, but I'm assuming it had jumped back up to previous levels. The start against the Mets where he got shelled 96 miles an hour, his lowest fastball velocity of the season. And it's impossible to predict where he's going to be at on any given night. But one thing we do know is he's going to throw a fastball or a slider basically 95% of the time. Twins bottom 10 offense against fastballs. Top 10 offense against sliders. So maybe they can sit on that slider, hit strider a little bit, but not something I'm going to bank on at current numbers. As I said, need to come closer to plus 200 in order to consider betting it. If strider had still been sitting at that 96, 96 and a half velocity level where he had been against the Mets and the Tigers, I would still have him downgraded a little bit here. And I probably would be betting on the twins, but at the current level, it is a pass for me. I gave him a slight bump back up to where I had him earlier in the season. Let's talk about our final bets for Monday slate. Not a ton left on the board. BJ already covered the Nationals Mariners over seven and a half, which we both like. He already mentioned the Twins and he already mentioned the White Sox. So BJ, I think there's a future that you added to your card yesterday that I definitely want to hear about from you. And if there's anything else on the board for you to bet today, Please let the people know now. And I have a one more for the road. Yeah, I mean, the three bets that I've already mentioned are basically my only three bets. I know you just added the White Sox first five into the app. I also added that a plus one, still a plus 120 out there at BetMGM. I have added Justin Steele to win the National League Cy Young at 25 to one. I was looking through the odds, and this is something I do looking through, you know, futures or whatever it is when I dig into somebody's numbers. You know, Steele's been about a 2.4 war. He has been a 2.4 war this season, which is third among National League starting pitchers who have obviously have qualified number of innings. And as you've mentioned, you, you've noted many times is that war ru rules all when it comes to these type of awards. And if you look through his metrics, I mean, he's a 2.6 CRA pitcher, 3.15 expected ERA. And you look at his average exit velocity allowed, he's in like the 95th percentile. He's keeping balls off the barrel. Like, I looked through this and I was like, wait, why am I not betting this guy? 
Like he's there's everything in the stat cast number shows that he is a top tier pitcher in the national league and a race that is very open right now, the national league Cy Young race. So, you know, you've already put out Blake Snell at, at 41, which I did tail as well. So looking at, you know, Steele, who's going to be obviously pitching in Wrigley field is, you know, can be troublesome at times with which, whatever way the wind is going. Um, but again, he's going to be pitching, you know, against the national league central, uh, you know, for a decent amount of these, which has been below average offenses this season outside of the reds. So, uh, I was looking at it and I just said, wait, why am I not betting this guy at 25 to one? So I have bet Justin Steele at 25 to one to win the national league. Cy Young, a lot of his stack cast metrics are just very, very good. And in an open race, I think it is a, a good, uh, good idea to take one of these long shots, especially, uh, you know, guys like Snell or, or a guy like Steele. Yeah. Justin Steele, a guy I've been betting on pretty regularly too, since he came up last season, I think, Similar to a Nestor Cortez, limits hard contact, doesn't throw particularly hard, doesn't generate a ton of strikeouts, doesn't seem like he's super impressive, but he's extremely effective. And the underlying metrics show that, the expected ERA shows that. Tons of deceptiveness. And also, like Strider, even though he only throws two pitches, Justin Steele actually has a lot of variations in the way that he manipulates his four-seam fastball and his slider. So he actually turns two pitches into several, just by the way, he slightly man manipulates things. He's a bit of a unique pitcher. He's not somebody that pitching models are going to accurately measure below average stuff plus on his fastball. That is incorrect. It just doesn't know how to accurately measure it because pitching models don't have anything to compare it to. So Justin Steele is a unicorn to a degree. And certainly I think can continue to suppressing hard contact going forward, even though traditional metrics expected fit, things like that. Don't say he's as good as his expected ERA would. Uh, BJ mentioned that I bet Blake Snell to win the National League Cy Young. That is something that I did add since the last time we were on this podcast. And in terms of BJ mentioning wins above replacement, I do think it's funny because only two of the past 14 Cy Young winners have failed to finish in the top three in their respective leagues and wins above replacement. Blake Snell was one of them in 2018. And the guy Blake Snell is giving me very similar vibes to right now is Robbie Ray from 2021. Mm -hmm. Robbie Ray started off that 2021 season, not the best, if I remember, and then eventually found his form, got to 100 to 1 to win the AL Cy Young at one point, found his form, went on an absolute terror over the final four months, and eventually pulled away from Garrett Cole and won the award. Blake Snell was not great for the first few months of the season. In fact, he was somebody we were betting against very regularly. His expected metrics had climbed over five. But in his last four starts, I actually have to pull it up because the numbers are pretty ridiculous. But he has just shut out everybody and gotten basically double-digit strikeouts in every start for his past three outings. In June alone, 25 innings, six walks, 43 strikeouts for Blake Snell. And he struck out 43 of 91 batters faced, which is a ridiculous 47% strikeout rate. These are not things you can replicate. Uh I mean, if he keeps this form, he's winning it. He is. Now, Spencer Strider still there. Great. Snell's ERA is about a half run higher than Strider's. And Snell has shown us already that he doesn't need to finish in the top three and more. In order to win the Cy Young, he just seems to catch fire at the right time and end up with really good numbers at the end of the year, even though when he's bad, he's not going more than five innings per start, and he's kind of keeping his wins above replacement low. So 
Snell, a guy who traditionally I would look to the top of the wins above replacement leaderboard, for example, Kevin Gaussman in the American League, a guy I bet every year to win the Cy Young because he projects to be amongst mm -hmm. the wins above replacement leaders at the end of the year. And even right now, Gaussman projects to be there at the end of the year. So he's traditionally a guy I'm going to identify as somebody to bet on for Cy Young, whereas Blake Snell being lower on the war leaderboard, not going to be a guy who pops up for me. But we're going in its projections a little bit more of late. The Reds have 4 to one of them in the NL Central, looking like a good bet now. Neither Pakoda nor Fangraphs thought that was a good bet when we made it. And Blake Snell to win the NL Cy Young. Currently 25 to one. I probably wouldn't take worse than 30 to one at this point. But with the form he's in, that number is just going to keep getting lower. So maybe you bet a Blake Snell ticket, end up selling it on prop swap or something. You know, do with it what you will. But I, I think there's uh, an almost certainty that that number continues to go lower, especially with the form he's in. So that is a bet I like from a futures market. My final bet for Monday's slate is going to be the Milwaukee Brewers as an underdog against my New York Mets. The flailing New York Mets were very much on their way out of the playoffs race. You know, I'm going to call a victory lap here on my Mets to miss the playoffs, not because I think they're guaranteed to miss the playoffs at this point, but the timing of when I gave that out was freaking awesome. You deserve a medal or a holiday or at least a cuddle from somebody. I told you exactly what was going to happen, the schedule they were going to head into, and they have absolutely tanked. So the timing on that Mets to miss the playoffs bet, I think was absolutely perfect. That's a wonderful theory, Sean. Just another reminder, if you're considering betting futures, take a look at the upcoming schedule for the next four to six weeks for these teams. You can kind of figure out how it might go for them over that stretch. But the reason the Mets have struggled this year, their bullpen was put together very uh, carelessly and they do not have a ton of depth. They rank 25th in expected FIP. They continually let this team down late in games. They did yesterday against the Phillies. And Buck Showalter also just seems frustrated with the inability to aggressively use guys because it seems like they never have more than a few arms available. Justin Verlander, his stuff plus is down last, relative to last year. His strikeout rate down significantly relative to last year, even the past couple of years. Definitely a lesser pitcher than what we saw when he won the Cy Young. He's closer to a number three starter, high threes expected ERA, than a mid-twos ace level pitcher. Um, and Colin Ray is a pretty comfortable average major league starter, 4.3 expected ERA, 99 pitching plus. So only about a half run difference in terms of projected ERAs between Verlander and Ray, the bullpens relatively comparable. I like the Brewers here at plus 150 or better, but I also like the over up to eight and a half at even money or eight minus 120 with the wind blowing out at City Field, 12 miles an hour to left field today. So I think we get some runs in Queens, but I also like the Brewers at plus 150 or better. BJ, anything for you on Mets Brewers? No, I had that line projected around right where it was, but no, I agree with you. That uh, Verlander's, yeah, been interesting stuff. Like you mentioned, stuff plus numbers have been down, and, and this is just kind of what happens with both him and Scherzer is they're just old. Like They've gotten old, and their velocity goes down when you get old. So, um, yeah, no, I had that projected right around where it was, so I'm passing on that one. The old guys, Verlander, Scherzer, Adam Wainwright, strikeout rates all in the tank this season. Have to wonder if the pitch clock just taking a little bit of stuff out of these old guys don't have as much time to reload from one pitch to the next time was going to catch up with all of them eventually anyway. But I do think the pitch clock has had some impact on their inability to generate strikeouts. Maybe Dylan sees managing his energy energy better of lately that strikeout rate coming back up. So I, I just think the pitch clock has been very difficult to quantify the impact that it has actually had on people. But I think it's fairly intuitive that the 
bigger pitchers, guys like Alec Manoa, Lance Lynn, guys are out of shape. Or the older guys like Verlander Scherzer might be struggling, you know, with less reload time from one pitch to the next. But that'll do it for me and BJ for Monday, June 26th. Again, a short slate, but hopefully we gave you enough bets to have an actionable Monday evening. For BJ Cunningham, I'm Sean Zarillo. We will be back on Tuesday morning for another edition of Payoff Pitch. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.